And uh, who are the visitors we have here this morning? If you're here for the first time, can I see your hand up? Amen. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good to have you here with us this morning. On your way out, we have some gifts for you at the welcome desk. Please make sure you pick up your gift, okay? It's so good to have you. And then also, next year, 2020, is going to be a great year for this church. We have been shaken. 2022, right? What did I say? <laughs> I caught myself. Like, did I say 2020? 2022 is going to be a great year. We've been through a lot. You know, this morning I was thinking, 2021, we said, was a year of great progress. And you know what? The enemy will want us to think that it wasn't a, great, a year of great progress. But think about it. Really think about it spiritually. 2021 was really the greatest year of progress that we've had. Think about it. We had our pastor coronated in heaven in 2021. What progress can be more than that? I don't think there can be any progress more than that. We had a lot of us here that God has turned our lives around, that we are more spiritually in tune to things that we never were in tune to before. Is that no spiritual progress? So whatever the enemy tells you, 2021 was a great year. It was a year of great progress. Amen? Amen, amen. Let's stand up for our scripture, Isaiah 50, verse 4, and we'll go right into the message. One to go. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to whom he is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. And I was not rebellious. Just stand before we, before we pray. Father, I just want to thank you. God, you are good. You are forever good. We give you praise this morning. Father, as your word comes out, Lord, let it hit every heart. Let it touch every heart. Let it reassure every heart. And let it make us more determined to serve you more. Father, hide me behind the cross this morning. Let only your word proceed from this altar, Lord. From this pulpit, Lord, to bless your people. To the glory of your name. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This time of the year is the time that most of us, if not all of us, go back and review the year. We start doing that after Thanksgiving. You go back and you say, okay, what was this year like for me? What expectations, what dreams did I have when I went into this year? And what have I experienced in this year? So most of us are in that time right now where we are reviewing what we've achieved, the promotions we've had, the good things. That's wonderful. That's what God wants. And then there are some others who, this year was a little bit of a, a year of troubles and, and sorrow and, and, and bereavement. And that's, that was still good too, right? But as a believer, one thing we do know and one thing we all can agree on is in Romans 8, 28. That scripture says, but we know. And we know, he says, that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. That we all can agree on, right? So today I want us to look at the topic, is all working for good? Is all working for good. And we're going to read the Christmas story as told by Luke in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. And that scripture in Romans 8:28. And we're going to tie them together and see how God can be working out something that in the natural we usually don't see right away. 
But over time, you begin to see, oh, that's what God was doing. This is what God was doing. So I'm going to read uh, Luke chapter 1 verses, Luke chapter 2 verses 1 to 7. It says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone in his own city. Verse 4, Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Again, I'll read Romans 8.28. And we know. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. We are going to look more closely in this Christmas story and see some things that we may have never seen before. So to make it kind of easier to follow, I'm going to break it into three sections. We're going to talk about the people, we're going to talk about the promise, and we're going to talk about the purpose. Now let's talk about the people. When Romans, when he says... All things work together for good for those who are called according to, the, uh, to his purpose. Who, who are the we that he's talking about? Who are the we? Who are the we that know? The Bible says they are those who are called. There are some people that when some things happen, when it's good, we all rejoice. But when some bad things happen, we, some people curse God. Some people stop coming to church. Some people be, begin to do and say things because they believe God is against me. But the Bible says there are some people, special people that know this fact, that when things go good or when things go bad, God is in control. And it says, who are those people? The first kind of people, or the kind of people, are those who are called, as it says there. This kind of call is not just an ordinary call. It's a spiritual, it's an eternal call. It's when the voice of God speaks to your human heart. It's when the voice of God, the Holy Spirit, pulls at the strings of your heart. It's when you realize that you need Jesus and you give your life to him. And you turn your life to him and you receive him as your Lord and your Savior. In the story of the Christmas story here told in Luke chapter 2, who were they called there in that story? They were the Israelites, they were Joseph and Mary. They were the called. God has said they are holy unto him. If you go to Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 6. He says, for you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself. A special treasure over all the peoples of the face of the earth. God chose the Israelites special to him. The same way he has called you, he has called me. We are special to him. We are special to him in Deuteronomy 26 verse 19. He says, he will set you high. Above all nations which he has made. In praise, in name, and in honor. That you may be a holy person to the Lord your God. Just as he has spoken. These promises, this calling was to the Israelites. But now it's also to us. Those of us who have received Jesus, we are the people 
that this scripture in Romans 8.28 is talking about. Mary and Joseph in that story in Luke, they were the people that God was talking about. Now, this call of God is very, very strange and peculiar. It's very, very, you would think that when God Almighty wants to call somebody, he's going to call the strong, the mighty, the intelligent, the one with the most education. But let's look at what it says that call is. Who is the one that God is calling? Who has he called, you and I, and who is he still calling out to today? In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 to 29, he says, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the best things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. So there are some of us, we are quick to take ourselves out when it's something good. Because we feel we don't qualify. But look at what God says about those that he calls. Do you feel foolish sometimes? I do. God says you qualify. Do you sometimes feel weak? Yes, sir. He says you are qualified. He says sometimes you feel like you are just at the bottom. You are the base. You can't go even further down. He says you are the one I'm calling for. Are you the one that people despise, have rejected because of one thing or the other? God says, you are the one I'm looking for. Or do you just feel, you know what, I was told I would never amount to anything. I was actually told I wasn't supposed to be here, I was a mistake. The Bible says, those that are even not. He says, those are the ones that he's going to use to bring things about. So the call of God is so peculiar. And you can see it in the life of of, of Mary and Joseph, God chose to use a woman, a young girl, from a poor home. A young girl that had nothing. He could have come down in a palace. He could have been born with an army. He could have come like an alien, strong and mighty. But he chose to come where the base things were, where the humble things were, the poor those who could not be accepted, those who could not do anything for him. He chose to come as a man in that humble circumstance. What does that tell you this morning? That he is for you, no matter what you think about yourself. You are the one he's calling for. You are the one that he can use. Don't take yourself out of the equation. God can use you no matter where you are right now. That is the strange and the peculiar call. Those are the people that God calls. Those that are nothing. Those that have nothing to give him. Also, let's see who again are these people. The Bible says, He calls those who love him. He says, we know all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called. So we've talked about those who are called. But if things are going to work all of it together for your good, you have to love God. You have to be a lover of God. You have to have God as the center of everything in your life. You have to know that God is for you and not against you. You have to know that the blood of Jesus was shed for you. And that if it was just only you on this earth, he would have still come, he would have still died, he would have still resurrected just for you. And out of that knowledge, you must have a love that is burning hot. You cannot be lukewarm as a Christian. For all things to work together for your good, you must love God. God must be everything in your life. 
God doesn't ever want to be relegated to the background. He's either God of all or he's not God at all. He's either God of all you have and everything, good or bad. You tell yourself, I love him. Nothing is going to stop me from loving him. And I love him so much because he loved me first. And when you are a Christian that's like that, everything that happens to you, all things that happen to you, God is going to take them in little measures, in big measures, at the right time, in the right temperature, and he's going to be walking like that baker, like that pharmacist, putting everything together, putting everything together, putting everything together until one day you yourself will see it. And say, wow, this is what he has been doing. This is what he has been working. But you have to love God. You have to love God. We cannot afford to put God. He says there, there was no room for him in the end. We cannot afford anymore to not have room for him in our inn. Or we bring him into the inn and put him in a little room. Or in a little corner in a room with everything else crowding him out. We can't do that anymore. Mary, a young girl, didn't know what the end was going to be. Never known any man, probably was about 15 or 16 like they said. When she was told, you are going to be the one to bring the Messiah into the world. She didn't understand everything. She knew she was going to face ridicule. She knew she was going to be mocked. She knew she was going to be called names, but her love for God made her say in Luke 138, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be done to me according to your word. Can you say that this morning? When God gives you a bitter pill and says swallow it, can you say, God, even if I don't understand it, behold your maidservant. Let it be done to me according to your word. Can you say that? That's what Mary said. So it is these people, the people that are called with a strange and peculiar call, the people that love God, those are the people that all things work together for good for. If you're here this morning, you don't fall into those two groups, you can. You can change and love God today. You can hear me today and allow God to pull on the strings of your heart and say, you know what? I've tried to do it on my own. I've not been able to succeed. I feel empty. I feel, I feel just like I don't belong. You belong to God. That's why. Until you, until you go to him, you will always feel that way, that you don't belong. Something is missing. Hear his call today so that you can be the people. So you can be that one that when things happen to you, good or bad, God is the one that's allowing it. Amen? We are now going to look at the promise. We said we look at the people. And then we are going to look at the promise. What was the promise given in that Romans 8.28? The promise given was that all things work together for good, right? That's the hardest three words for us to understand and accept. All. But you see, all includes God. His attributes, His greatness, His might, His power. That's all. All includes Jesus. Jesus right now is a man sitting at the right hand of God. In heaven there is a man sitting at the right hand of God, Jesus. Interceding for you, praying for you day and night. We can accept that. That's all, right? Awesome. All includes the Holy Spirit. That we now can carry the Holy Spirit, God, inside of us everywhere we go. The gifts of God, the gifts of the Holy Spirit coming out through our lives. The grace to do things upon us because God has blessed us and sealed us with the, with the Holy Spirit. Separated us. With the Holy Spirit. That is all. We rejoice in that, right? All includes all your promotions. The business breakthroughs. All the blessings. Your children. Your marriage. Your bank account that is full to overflowing. All of that, right? Hallelujah. 
But when all includes suffering, when all includes crying, when all includes pain, mm, now all of a sudden that three word, that three letter word becomes hard to swallow. But that includes all too. A.W. Tozer said one thing. He said there are three things that make a Christian more like Jesus. He says it's the word of God, studying the word of God, prayer. Guess what the third thing is? Suffering. A Christian who does not go through periods of suffering can never really conform to the image of Christ. Because what it does, you always learn to depend on yourself. Suffering makes you learn to depend on God for the very breath you take. So that's one of the reasons God allows it. So when he says the promise of all things, all things include the good things and it includes the bad things too. And we as, as believers, we should, we should be willing to accept all of it. And when bad things happen, that's not when to say God has abandoned me. God has disappointed me. Because in fact, give me some tissue there. Because in fact, God might be using that very thing to make you more like him. Thank you, honey. To make you more like him. To make you conform to the image of his son. That's why the Bible says rejoice when you fall into diverse troubles. You wonder why should I rejoice when I'm in trouble? Why should I rejoice when I'm in pain? Who does that? But you see our ways are not the ways of God. The way God thinks is not the way we think. God has come to bless us. Don't get me wrong. I'm beginning to learn so much. And I've been a Christian for quite a while. But I'm learning so much. God came, Christ came to give us life and life in abundance. On the other hand, when God allows things, let it do a perfect work in you. Let it do a perfect work in you. Let's go back to the Christmas story. In Luke verse, uh, chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. Now I'm going to start to pick some little things out for you now. So you can see where God is walking. And they may not have seen that God was walking. He says, It came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. Now, this is historical facts. What I'm just reading here now is historical. If you just type Caesar Augustus on your phone, on Google, it will, start, it will tell you that Caesar Augustus was the son of Julius Caesar, and he was a Roman emperor from 27 BC to AD 14. History has his date of birth as September 23, 63 BC. He died August 19th. 14 AD, in Nola, Italy. His wife's name was Claudia, and he has two children, Julia and Nero. Why was Luke telling us all of this, giving us all these details? And then he also told us that at the time this census was called for, Quirinius was the governor of Syria. What he's trying to tell you that these are historical facts that you and I can actually go and search and find out that this is true. These things happen. So if you were at that time, you can go to a place and find out the governor was Quirinius and that Caesar Augustus was the emperor. And in that time in the Roman Empire, they were like the known world. They took over basically everything. They came into Israel, took over. And if you read the New Testament, you can always see the pieces of it. The, Roman, the Romans were in charge. The Romans were things, the ones uh, oppressing them. So the Jews detested the Romans. 
They didn't, they called them dirty dogs. They called them oppressors. They did not like them one bit. It was this man, that the, the Romans that were not loved, this emperor that called for a census. Everyone, go back to your own town. Go back to your own town. And Joseph, from Nazareth to Bethlehem, was 90 miles. And they didn't have cars those days. And they were from a poor family, so they probably walked on foot, or they had a donkey. Because she was pregnant, most likely had a donkey. And she had to be on top of the donkey while he was walking. Holding the donkey and she was on it, pregnant, heavily pregnant. Can you imagine what was going through Joseph's mind for those 90 miles? In his mind, he's thinking, I have to do this because this pagan oppressor is making me do this. And the reason, if you read, the reason, the two reasons this census was called for was for one, to see how many soldiers he can raise for his army to keep his empire intact. And number two, to know how many people in each region, on how, so he knows how much tactics to raise. So Joseph has in his mind, he's doing this, it's not for my own good. He's doing this because he wants to raise more taxes, and he wants to possibly enlist me as a soldier. So he's going with that knowledge in his mind, maybe frustrated, maybe angry, very resentful. But he did not know that God was using the emperor as a pawn in his hand to bring about what he has spoken hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Let's go back to scripture. You will see that God is a God who keeps his promise. We're talking about the promise now. I talked about the promise that he said all things work together for good. That's what I'm on, the promise. Let me get my notes together. Let's go to... I want you to go to Psalm... Oh, before I do that, let's see what Luke also wrote. He says, so they all went to be registered, everyone to his own city, verse 4. He gives us some details that if you're, not, you're wondering, some things in the Bible is when you're studying, you're beginning to see, oh, even that word that I just read over means something. He's giving you some details here. He says, Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Listen to this. Because he was of the house and lineage of David. That sentence means is <laughs> heavily loaded. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So this global display of power was actually fulfilling a promise that God had made. Because if you read Psalm 89, verse 3 and 4, God has said, I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn to my servant David that your seed I will establish forever and build up your throne to all generations. Isaiah 9, 6 to 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful. Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord will perform this. Look at the different attributes of the son that was going to be born from the line of David. And this son was given to a young girl, a young virgin girl. This promise was given to someone who was not of a high status. That is the same God, counselor, prince of peace that has been put in your heart. You that think you might not be well-educated, 
You might not be a millionaire. You might not have all. But that same promise today, that same seed, that same Jesus is now in you. You are now the carrier of a counselor. You are to counsel. You are now the carrier of the Prince of Peace. You are to take peace wherever you go. You are to be everything that God wanted Jesus to be to the earth. He says he was going to be born in Bethlehem. And at that time, Augustus Caesar said everyone go to his hometown. Look at what he says in Micah chapter 5 verse 2. He says, but you Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Makkah is telling us here, it's a prophet hundreds of years before, He's telling us that this man, this son of man, this Messiah that is coming, he's divine, he's not human, he's from everlasting. And God was using the most powerful man on earth, who didn't even have a clue about the Bible. God was using him to bring forth, to bring to pass the promise he had given to his children. Hundreds and hundreds through different prophets. So what promise has God given you? God is a man of his word. He's a God of his word. He's not a man. If God gives you a promise, <laughs> he's told David, there's a scripture, I want to look for that. He said, he's told David, Jeremiah 33, to which I put that up. You will see the kind of God we serve. In Jeremiah 33, 20 to 21, thus says the Lord, if you can break my covenant, <laughs> we dare and my covenant with the night, so that there will be not day and night in their season, then my covenant may also be broken with David my servant, so that he shall not have a son to reign in his throne with the Levites, with the priests and my ministers. God is saying, when I give you a promise, when I make a covenant with you, and I tell you I'm going to do it, it might as well just be like day and night. As long as there is day and as long as there is night, my covenant with you will always be. It will never be broken. That's what he gave to David. And that's what we saw hundreds and hundreds of years later. He started putting all those pieces together. He started putting them together. Mary and Joseph probably didn't have a clue what was going on. But God was working it all out. God was working it all out. God was working it all out. For good. Amen? Paul says, we know. (laughs) We know. He was not saying, oh, fairly sure. Oh, we hope. um, In most circumstances, uh, maybe generally speaking, no. He was 100% confident. He says, we know. That all things work together for good. So today I'm inviting you to drive out that fear. Drive out that uncertainty. Drive out that voice of the enemy that tells you, do you really know? Has he really done it? Can you see how long it's been? Ah, it doesn't really work. Mm-mm. See how many years it took? Did God fail? God will never fail you. When God gives you his word, you can take, go take, take it to the bank, as they say. It will always come to pass. Amen? Amen? Listen to this quote. It says, God will not utterly eliminate pain and suffering in the world. He will prevent suffering where it is possible to do so without harming some more important goal. Let me read that again. God will not utterly eliminate pain and suffering in the world. Because I've heard people say, why does God allow this? Why does God allow that? God will not utterly eliminate pain and suffering in the world. He will prevent it 
where it is possible to do so without harming some more important goal. So we see that Mary and Joseph had to go to Bethlehem without a place to stay. God allowed it for his son to be born. God allowed it. I was looking at some of the, the stables and, and the nativity scene. I went to the children's church area, then I looked at it, and everything looked so beautiful. And I was like, such a far cry from the first Christmas. Such a far cry from the way the Son of God. Do you know what heaven looks like? We can't even imagine. To come down to earth. To come down, the one who made the streets of gold. The one who spoke the earth into being. The one that has been from everlasting to everlasting. The one that God spoke to and said, let us make a man in our image. The one who made man chose to come into the world and be born in a stable and be put in a feeding trough that probably hurriedly they took out all the feed so possibly there was some animals hair there there was still some speed from the food they just ate there's probably some bad stuff from the other end still sticking to it it's not the cradle that you see. It's not the baby bed you see. Why did he come down so low? Why did he do that? Because of me and you. So that we don't exempt ourselves. So that we don't count ourselves out. You know, these are the things you think about that just make you love God so much. You just cry because you just can't even imagine it. How can God love humans so much? How can he be so intent on reconciling us to himself that he will subject himself, eternity, the God of heaven, now wore a cloak and now decided to come among us in that state? That is the God we serve. So Mary and Joseph, not understanding, we are still talking about the promise, not understanding what was going on, Going, if you read that story, it didn't say when they got to Bethlehem, that's when they were looking for a place. It says while they were already there, the time came for her to have her baby. Read the Bible. Because we think, because there's something that God brought, I mean, it's just like, I'm like, are you serious, God? Go to verse 6 in Luke chapter 2. Did he say when they got there, he came for them? Put that scripture up, please. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. I, I don't know if it's just me. I thought, always thought that when they got there, she was in labor. Is that not how most people thought? That she was in labor when they got there and they were looking for her. Oh, please, she was about to give birth. Can we come in here? No, there's no room. Oh, please, she wants to give birth. Do you have room? No. No. They got there. It was while they were there already. So could it be they didn't have a place to stay? Could it be they were homeless? Could it be they didn't want to give birth in the open where they were? That's why when she was in labor, they were hurrying to find a place at least where she can give birth. Think about that. When I saw that last night, I'm like, God, 
Are you serious? Or even if they were staying in the stable, they didn't have a place to stay. They didn't have a place, the Son of God. No wonder he said, I have no place. He says, foxes have nets to, or something like that, but the Son of Man has no place to rest his head. When he came into the world, there was no place for him. And you know what we're still doing today? There's still no place for him. We shut him out of our schools. We shut him out of our families. We've shut him out of our nation. We've shut him out, the Son of God. And we dare say he's a loving God. He won't put anybody in hell. Always rejected. Always put aside to the corner. No room for you. No room for you. I don't have room for you. I'm too busy. I'm, I'm having a feast in here. I don't have room for you. Are we still saying that today? Isn't that what we are still saying to him today? That's a question we have to ask ourselves. Am I still putting the Son of God out in the open? Am I still leaving him homeless? Has he found a home in my heart? Is he at home, at peace, at rest? In my heart. Or have I said yes in my heart, but he's still in a corner in my heart. He's still in a corner in my room. My heart is crowded with so much junk that he's not able to express himself from me. This happened when he was born. This is the Christmas story. This is why it's important that we that have him we that have him taking up all our hearts. This is what we need to go tell people. This is what we need to go tell him. Don't leave him out anymore. Don't leave him out anymore. Let him in. I have four more minutes. Quickly. Let me go to the purpose. We've talked about the people. We've talked about the promise. What is the purpose? The Bible describes it as good. It says all things work together for good. Good can mean a million things. It's good can be one thing to you and good can be another thing to another person. But if you want to know the good that God is talking about, I want you to go to Romans 8.29. He said, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. The good that God wants is for you to be conformed to the image of, to, to the image of his son. That is the utmost good that God can have for you. If in whatever you go through, be it very, very, very pleasant things, promotions, healthy bank account, good families. If it conforms to the image of God, wonderful and it does. Everything God gives you, everything God blesses you with, you better make sure it's conforming you. When God gives you that million dollars on Sunday, it's not the time to be playing golf. When God gives you the desires of your heart, as he's going to do for you in 2022, that's not when for you to now say, okay, this is Sunday, it's no longer time for God. Everything that works for good for you, for God, it is good when it conforms you to the image of his son. Whether it's a good thing in our eyes or a bad thing seemingly in our eyes, we don't know the whole picture. That baker knows what recipe he has and what he wants to make. If you eat flour on his own, it's going to kill you. If you just start eating butter or all on his own, it's going to kill you. If you just eat baking powder on his own, if you eat raw egg on his own, salmonella. <laughs> but in the hands of a skillful baker, he knows his two eggs, 
He knows it's a teaspoon of baking powder. He knows it's one whatever of butter. He knows how long to, to just turn and twist till it's... He knows how long to wait for it to rise. He knows the temperature in the oven to set. He knows how long that thing is supposed to be in the oven so it doesn't get burnt. The same way with you. So if you feel like you're in the oven right now, God is watching. You will not be burnt. Amen? He's putting things together. That's the purpose. To make that beautiful cake. That when we're all eating and enjoying, we forgot all that went into it. To make that cake that we're all enjoying. God knows what he's doing. I was fighting God three, about four weeks ago. I'm fighting with him a lot these days. If you call me one day and you see me with my, with my hip out of joint, you know I'm, I've become the second Jacob. But I'm also enjoying him. I'm also enjoying him. It's kind of bittersweet, right? To see that God repositions you. It's like if you want to transplant a, a tree, right? And you see this tree. You were here. You're not really supposed to be here. Because if you're here, your beauty or what I want you to do, you won't line up with it. So you take that tree and you uproot it. And you go and reposition that tree where you think it should be. Does that tree have any, does it fight you? You, you are the one that bought that tree. You planted the, that tree. That, uh, you say, now it's time to get you away from there. That's what God does with us sometimes. He repositions you. See, God's plan can never be hijacked. We cannot hijack God's plan. We cannot hijack God's purposes. We are just humans. We are just clay in his hands. He's the potter. So when he wants to reposition you in line with his purpose, did Mary know, did Joseph know, when they were making that 90-mile journey on foot, did they see us today? That was the beginning of a well-laid-out plan of salvation. Look at you and I today. Look at us today. Reconciled with God. Children of the Most High God. Because of the plan he put in place. That at that time they may not have known. But now we can see it and we rejoice. Can you trust that a time will come too that you will see what God is doing. And you will rejoice. That right now you are just the flower on his own. You're just the butter on his own. You're just that raw egg on his own. And you're wondering, how does all this come together? And God is saying, just give me time. The right amount, the right time, the right season, the right mixture, the right oven, the right temperature. It takes time. Stand up with me this morning. The only thing I can tell you again is that last line in that Luke chapter 2 in verse 7. They said they laid him in a feeding trough because there was no room for him in the inn. I've always said it here, you can never get too close to God. No matter how close you are with God now, you can get closer. You can. Make room for him. As we go into 2022, if there's an area of your life that you feel, and believe me, God lets us know. We all know. If there's an area in your life where you feel God is not where he should be, please, please make room for him. Make room for him. 
there's such a falling away happening in the church. The Bible, I'm telling you, the scriptures will be fulfilled. Go, I, I'm challenging you, start reading the Gospels. Go to John and just read all the red letters, all everything that came out of the mouth of Jesus. During your Christmas period, please do that. It's going to put a fire in your belly that you've never had before. Just read the book of John. All I want you to read is just the red letters to hear what the Son of Man said from his own mouth. We want to be among those that don't fall away. We want to be among those that we stand, the remnant that we stand, that we go in and reap a harvest for our Savior. We want to be those. So make room for him in 2022 and the years after. Tell him, I'm yours. My whole heart is yours. Do what you want to do with me. So if you're here this morning, you have not made room for him. You don't even know what I'm talking about. You are not the people. You don't have the promise. And there's no purpose really in your life. You're just like, I don't know him. As we close our eyes and put our heads down, if that's you this morning, just raise your hand up so I can see the hand and then put it back down. If you don't know Jesus, you can know him today. If that's you here this morning. If that's you. So everybody here is saved, thank God. But if you're saying next year, Lord, I want to give you more room. Even me, my hand is up on that one. I want to know you more. I want to get closer, more so close to you that nothing can come between us. If that's you this morning, raise up your hands. Lord, I want to be close. I don't want to ever, ever have no room for you in my heart. Have no room for you in my finances. Have no room for you in my, in my marriage. Have no room for you among my children. Have no room for you in every area of my life. Lord, no. We want to have room. We want you to have it all. Have it all. Take it all, Lord. Lord, we thank you today. Father, we give you praise. We thank you for your word that has come forth. Father, I pray today that every one of us here will make a decision. We will lay ourselves again back on the altar and say, Lord, no matter what, no matter what, we will love you because we are called by you. We have been set aside by you. We will walk with you. We will listen to you. We will be led by you. You will love others through us. That is our cry today. To you we give the praise. To you, to you we give the glory. Father, as we leave this place, we don't leave your presence. You said you will always be with us. So as we go home, you are with us. Everything we do, you are with us. Give us safe jo- uh, travels in, in every travel we do during these holidays. Be with us. And Lord, bring us back to fellowship with one another when it's time. And we'll be quick to give you all the praise and all the glory. And the people of God said, Amen and Amen and Amen and Amen. Hallelujah. We are going to have the